Hey, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy, folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. So glad you're here today. God's grace and peace be unto you, your family, and your loved ones. So today, we're going to be discussing some things. Uh, I entitled this podcast, Here I Stand. And those of you that know redemptive history, church history, of course, I'm referring to Martin Luther's famous response when it came to uh, the gospel, uh, salvation, and God's word. Here I stand. Uh, he was giving a defense uh, for the just shall live by faith. So anyway, I'm going to be tying that into what is going on in these days with some brothers and sisters that I have rescued with throughout the years. We have been to uh, many battlefields across America, the exposed areas, the death camps, abortion mills, in halls of power, gay pride parades, um, going into the sort of tough spots, the rough places, uh, to preach the gospel of the kingdom and remind this nation and this culture of death that there's another king, one called Jesus. And, of course, it's been an incredible ride, uh, a lot of adventures, and, um, and we now have some brothers and sisters who have been doing some rescues uh, as of late. And just to remind you what a rescue is, that's, you know, there's different kinds of interposition, uh, there's the interposition that we can do verbally, uh, and a lot of people do that at abortion mills. They get on the public sidewalk, and they preach the gospel, and they let parents know that there are helps available. And, of course, we call the abortionist and the workers of iniquity to repentance, that making a killing is no way to make a living, and uh, things of that nature. But there's also a physical interposition where you literally put your body between the oppressor and the victim and thereby rescue the victim. And that's what some brothers and sisters have been doing. And over the last two years or so, they've racked up uh, a few rescue cases uh, throughout America. And this is where our federal government that we all know has set up a two-tier system of justice and that has weaponized the federal agencies to go after their political uh, enemies. Um, the federal government is charging these brothers and sisters who were literally lined up in a hallway uh, singing hymns and praying. Uh, they have charged them with FACE, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. And so they take a, a misdemeanor charge and they apply federal penalties. 
And so we do have some brothers and sisters right now that are, are facing uh, stiff fines, and if found guilty and sentenced to the max, they could be in federal prison for 10, 11 or so years. So it is a serious thing. And so, you know, when, when, when these brethren who I have rescued with, and, and some when I rescued and I was facing those things, uh, they stood with me and my family. And so I counted a privilege and an honor that I get to act as a paraclete to come alongside these brethren and stand for them and support them and raise awareness and raise prayer support and financial support uh, for what they're facing. And so probably for about a year and a half, I've been you know, working behind the scenes uh, with the lawyers, with the de defendants, making sure the defendants and their family, all their needs were met, you know, spiritually and financially and things of that nature, and make sure the lawyers, you know, got the supply they needed to put on a rigorous defense uh, in federal court. And so some of you may know recently things kind of came to a head uh, in Tennessee. And uh, honestly, those were the rescuers that I was pretty much assigned to care for. And uh, they, they were waiting for over a year uh, to go before a judge in Tennessee and to face face. And uh, so recently uh, there was the trial and uh, tragically, uh, the verdict was guilty, guilty on all charges. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, it was, it, it was uh, disheartening to say the least. And I, I put out a, uh, a Facebook video real quick because my heart was just hurting, hurting for my brethren, hurting for the babies and hurting for our nation. And it was so clear that, you know, how unjust our justice system has become and just how far away we have gone from knowing the difference between right and wrong and good and evil. And uh, I had a chance to talk uh, with Cal Zastro, Mission Man, and it was so interesting. If you know Brother Cal, the guy's just filled with joy all the time. I mean, I know, I'm sure he has his moments, but um, he just has a very good and godly attitude, and he just serves the Lord with such zeal. And, um, you know, after he was found guilty and facing what they could possibly you know, face, I, I reached out to him. And what's so amazing about these brethren and this caliber of Christians, you know, here I am, I'm calling to encourage him, uh, to strengthen him in the faith. And what does he do? He turns around, you know, to minister to me, to encourage me. You know, what? what how can I serve you, Rusty? And I'm just like, you know, and I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing like, Cal, you know, not this time, buddy. No, no, now it's time for Christians to be there for you, to help you, to support you, to minister to you and your family. And then, of course, I, I talked with uh, the head lawyer. He gave me some insight on the trial and how things went. And uh, he even told me that the prosecution 
uh, itself did not expect a guilty verdict. And so that will tell you, uh, you know, what in the world is going on when even the prosecution team uh, doesn't believe that they're guilty of any crime. And so anyway, it's important that we put these things in biblical perspective. There's a passage of scripture, and it's one of those things that really expose, I guess, the beautiful side of evil, how the enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy, how he will mask himself in a religious spirit uh, to go after and destroy the righteous. And, and the Lord mentioned in his word, he said, and now, he, now I'm going to keep, you know, keep this in mind. He's talking to his generation here. But there's a principle um, that applies even today, and I'm sure it will in the future. But he said, there will be folks that will arise that will kill you thinking they're doing God service. And of course, it was that spirit, that mentality that drove the powers of darkness to crucify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I get it. Ultimately, it was God's plan. You know, he had predestined these things, and, um, and that was his purpose. And we know ultimately Christ went to the cross to pay a debt he didn't owe while we owed a debt we couldn't pay. It was ultimately our sin that drove those nails into his body and put that crown upon his head. Amen. But it's important to understand that there is this incredible deception that can take place, particularly in the minds of conservatives and Christian conservatives when it comes to a system that they may serve. And I'm going to get more into this later because it's an interesting phenomenon through the years when we have done rescue. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, the liberal judges were much more lenient towards us just because of their, their ideology, because of their political ideology. Um, and I think it's going to benefit our brothers and sisters in Tennessee, and I'll get more into that later. But the point being, Jesus warned us, and, and, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 10, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I, I ministered on that recently in my podcast called Sheepdog, if you listen to that. But he says, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. 
And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, I've experienced that phenomenon when I have stood before courts and judges where I literally had penned out my response and when I was going to get my opportunity to bring forth a testimony uh, to them. I, I got to tell you, I stood up and and I basically crumbled up the notes and threw them away. And there were things coming out of my mouth that I did not intellectually know. And it was truly the Spirit of the Father who was speaking. And so I know firsthand this scripture to be true. And, uh, and I got to tell you that these brethren who are facing, you know, serious charges, every opportunity they have, they're, they're worshiping Jesus. They're singing his praises. They are declaring the gospel. They are pointing people uh, to the Lord our God. And so for them, you know, the, the venue may change, but the ministry of the gospel of the kingdom remains the same. And what I mean by that, you know, when we were doing rescue full time, you know, we had three modes of ministry, right? So we'd be on the streets, we would be interposing, intervening. God would be using that to save souls, save lives, shut down death camps. Uh, and then we would be arrested and we were thrown in jail. Well, now we got the prison ministry we always wanted. And, and God powerfully used that uh, to save souls, not just the souls of the prisoner, prisoners, but prison guards and things of that nature. And what a lot of people may not know, we also saved a lot of babies from abortion while being in jail because we would challenge the, the, the men hey, you got to man up. You got to be responsible. You got to do your duty before God. And uh, we'd give them the gospel. We would pray for them. And they would call their wives and their girlfriends and say, honey, don't do it. Don't do it. I promise when I get out, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of that child. And so there was a lot of uh, babies that were saved. And then, of course, uh, you get out of jail and you, and you go you know, to court and you go before the judge. And what happens? Well, now you have this opportunity uh, to give a testimony to the courts, the judges, and the rulers of this earth. Uh, there's another king, one called Jesus. You may call this legal, uh, but God calls it unlawful. And you're going to have to stand before him one day to give an account on the discharge of your duty. And so it's, it's, it's uh, like I said, the venue may change, but the ministry remains the same. And so we know, brothers and sisters, throughout church history, redemptive history, you know, God has raised up reformers to confront corrupt political and religious systems that are, are in, uh, that are working together uh, to defend unjust laws and evil practices, right? And, and so throughout it, you see uh, certain men like standing before emperors and popes and things of this nature. What are they doing? They're, they're defending the faith. And God is using them to bring about, you know, needed reformations throughout church history. I mean, we could look at the apostles, just starting with the apostles, right? In Acts chapter 5. Here, the powers that be, 
the authorities of the day, both religious, you know, and civil, they're warning the apostles about the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he, he, here's what they're telling the apostles. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? Talking about the name that is above all names, the name before whom every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And of course, I'm talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't teach in his name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, this did not stem from the apostles. This did not originate with the apostles. When Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, because if it was of this world, I'd have servants and soldiers that would rise up to deliver me out of your hand. And so a lot of Christians take like, you see, his kingdom's not here. His kingdom's not now. He said it's not of this world. Well, just like you, Christian, you're in the world, but you're not of it. And that's the way of God's kingdom. It's certainly in this world and it rules over this world. It's just not of this world. Our salvation did not originate from anything on this planet. It came from above. It came from heaven. And when Christ came, his kingdom came and that kingdom is invading and taking over this earth. And it says, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Uh, those of you who know me, I have preached extensively on the doctrine of blood guiltiness. And you could look that up on YouTube, Rusty Thomas, Doctrine of Blood Guiltiness. Um, it's a very uh, sobering and poignant uh, message that we all need to hear. So this is what the apostles are facing. You know, just like Martin Luther, we're just going to get into him next. But, you know, basically they're standing before the powers of be. Here we stand, right? We can do no less. So Peter and the other apostles answered and said, and, and, and there comes a time, understand this, brothers and sisters, there comes a time when a nation becomes so filled with bloody, perverted idolatries where the government becomes so corrupt and, and the culture becomes so evil and the church becomes so compromised, there comes a time that we have to respond like Peter and the apostles. We ought to obey God rather than men. And let me tell you something, that's even good news for the pagans and those that rebel against God and are covenant breakers. Now, pray tell, how can that benefit them? Well, this is what God has used to face down tyrants, bullies, oppressors, despots that was bringing tyranny and injustice upon the masses well, who do you think were the ones standing before these bullies and these tyrants? It was Christians saying like John to Herod, you know, the king, 
what you're doing is unlawful. And of course, they're saying to the kings and judges of this earth, hey, there's an authority higher than you, bud. And, uh, you know, and like Psalm chapter 2, we're giving the warning. You better bow down. You better kiss the sun. You better worship him because he has a rod in his hand and he'll bust you up. And, and so when men of God and women of God have done this in history, it's changed the course of nations and civilizations because it always came down to that reality. All right. And of course, this brings out the nature of the battle. What is the nature of the battle that rages from within and from without? It comes down to two issues. Who is Lord, Caesar or Christ? And whose laws are going to govern in the affairs of men? The laws of men or the law of God? Okay, Th that, I, you know, tyrants inspired by the devil, they really don't give a rip that you go to church on Sunday and, and, and sing songs to Jesus. That doesn't threaten them in the least. But you come out of that building and you attempt to be salt and light and you're telling Caesar that's inspired by the devil, there's another king, one called Jesus, believe me, the battle is on. And that's what this is all about, brothers and sisters. We must obey God rather than men. And so Peter goes on to say, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. He pulled no punches there. No, no religious nuances there. Just straight on, you murdered him. Him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be a prince and savior. Praise be to God. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So if you repent of your sins, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will enter your mortal body and make you alive forevermore. The Holy Spirit will regenerate you. You will go from old things becoming new. Amen a new creation in Christ. Praise be to God. Well, you know, we ha and, and, and we know in the Old Testament, there's many examples, you know, Daniel and the lion's dead and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, throughout the Old and New Testament, throughout church history, there has always been men and women that God has raised up to face the tyrant, to face the bully, to face the oppressor, and let them know in no uncertain terms what you are doing is wrong and evil. We are not the criminals here. We are the law keeper. You government and your unjust laws, you are the law breaker. And we are coming here to as reformers to open your eyes, open your ears, open your understanding to know what you're involved in and how this grieves and angers the Lord God Almighty, right? And so we, we come now to Martin Luther. And I'm just giving a little portion, the ending of his famous Here I Stand speech, where he, he's giving his defense and his apologetic that comes in response to the 
corrupt political and religious system of his day. Now, you got to understand, I think most of you may know, you know, he was at the Diet of Worms and, you know, he'd been preaching and writing books and creating quite a stir. He did the 95 Thesis where he exposed all the different corrupt practices of the Catholic Church. Uh, he had no intention of wanting to uh, divide the church, split the church. He he just He just saw that there was things that they were saying and doing that was contrary to Scripture, and he was trying to bring forth a much-needed reformation. Well, of course, the powers that be, they never received that with the non-with-joy, non right? And I got to tell you, you know, when people invest in a system, I don't care who you are, and invest in a theology and a doctrine, boy, it is very, very difficult. Once you have poured your life into this thing, you know, got you, you know, received your livelihood from these things. And then somebody comes along and says, you know what? It's all wrong. It's sin. It's evil. I, I can't tell you the amount of humility that is required because we are a proud, puffed up people. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of humility to admit when we are wrong. And I've seen it through my days here on this earth um, where people have written religious books, predictions, prophecies, things of this nature, and not a single one has come to pass. And yet they keep writing the books, they keep doing the movies, they keep doing the radio programs, and the people keep buying into it. They keep it's amazing to me. And when they're called on the carpet, when they're called to account, oh, well, you know, maybe my numbers are off and, you know, uh, you know, th they'll say anything. They'll dance around the issue. They'll do everything except, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing the scriptures clearly. Maybe I need uh, to think some things through and really study. You know, and I'll get back with you. I've never seen it. I never sent, I've never seen any people, these people humble themselves and just say flat out, I missed it. I'm wrong. I repent. I'm sorry. No, nope, no, nope, I've invested too much into this system. I've invested too much into this theology. I've invested too much in this doctrine. And there ain't no way except maybe God himself, you know, coming along and slapping me aside my head and knocking me to my knees. Maybe then. I'll yield. But boy, most of us are so doggone religiously stubborn. Big time. Right? And so here's Martin Luther up against that system. And of course, they want to do to him what they did to John Huss, you know, earlier. They want to burn this guy at the stake as a heretic. And so Martin Luther knows, like, what, what, they're asking him, like, you know, very, pointed questions about his message and the books that he's written because he's dealing with the very nature of salvation itself. And obviously, gosh, when it comes to the salvation of men's souls, yeah, we probably need to get that right. Seriously. Because we're talking about eternity here. We're talking about the difference between heaven and hell forever. And so they're, they're, you know, bringing forth evidence. Is this your book? Is that your writings? Is this what you're saying? 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Are you ready to recant? Are you ready to repent? You know, and come back home to Rome. And, um, and it, it, you know, he, he knows, he, he knows that if I flat out say, uh, yes, these are my writings, and B, no, I will not recant, then most likely, you know, he's going to become a crispy critter for the Lord. And that's a weighty thing, brothers and sisters. It truly is. It's a weighty thing to have that hanging over your head. Just like right now, we got brethren with a sword hanging over their head where they're facing over 11 years in federal prison, right? That's a heavy-duty thing. And um, so this is, this is Martin's response. And he's very respectful. He's very respectful, but he ain't budget. <laughs> Okay, he was respectful, but firm when it came uh, to faith, to true saving faith. And he says, since your most serene majesty, majesty and your highness require of me a clear, simple, and direct answer, I will give one. Now, know this, when they first asked him this, he took a time out. I believe it was 24 hours. That's how serious this was. Knowing what the penalty might be. Um, and they granted him that, that time. And apparently he wrestled with God through the night. And when he woke up, he knew what his duty was. He knew what he had to do. And so he's going to give them one. And it is this. I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the council, because it is clear that they have fallen into error and even into inconsistency with themselves. Talking about the Pope and the council, giving these bull charges and stuff like that, contradicting each other through the years, right? A lot of chaos, folks, a lot of chaos. If then... I am not convinced by proof, listen, from Holy Scripture or by cogent reasons, if I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's Word, I neither can nor will retract anything, for it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I can do, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. That's one of the most, uh, by the way, one of the most famous speeches in all of history. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. And he's to see, and he's not just fighting this error and this corruption, all right, for his own salvation. He is literally fighting for the salvation of God in the earth. I mean, this is serious business here. Now, again, these authorities do not receive this rebuke anon with joy. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, Martin. 
You spend so much time seeking the Lord and studying the scriptures to show yourself approved. And you have spoken with such eloquence and you have pointed out our errors and our sins. And you know, Martin, we're, we're, we're beholden to you, brother. We're so glad. And now we see the error of our ways. And so, brother, go in peace, right? Well, we know that didn't happen. And in God's providence, uh, we come across the doctrine of the lesser magistrate uh, because a lesser magistrate, uh, Frederick, I think, of Saxony, um, rescued Martin Luther from the hands of this council, got him into safety, into his castle, and protected him. And I believe that is where uh, Martin Luther translated uh, the Bible into the German language. So incredible, rich history, but, and, you know, obviously uh, God's intervention throughout redemptive history. So let's get back to our brethren now, the rescuers. I just wanted to lay that foundation, brothers and sisters, because, you know, the, the, we're going through a similar time now, right? And And God is raising up his people once again to confront the the idolatry the bloody perverted idolatry of this age and confront the government that has unleashed this hell upon us with their laws and their public policies right and they're going before the magistrate as a testimony and and so some of these rescuers they have had several rescues and so they have several cases. Like when we went into Tennessee, we still had some Lord's freemen. There were some um, that were not incarcerated from other rescues, but there was one lady that was. Her name is Heather Idoni, Idoni or something. Um, but she literally came to Nashville from Washington, D.C., in chains so she was the lord's prisoner well she got hammered in washington dc along with other folks that had rescued there okay now of course they're in the belly of the beast right they're they're in leftville right um the whole spirit of the age the whole political ideology hard-leaning left, uh, it, it was a foregone conclusion what was going to happen uh, there. And, and literally, um, as soon as they were found guilty, they put chains on Heather. And she's been incarcerated for months now and haven't even been sentenced yet. And so she's just been literally rotting in jail, waiting even to be sentenced. And she has other cases she has to face. One of them was in Tennessee. I think she has another one, I think, in Michigan. And some of these brethren, they have multiple cases, right? But this last case was in Tennessee. And, and you're going to, I want to give you some insight, brothers and sisters. This is really important because, you know, Washington, D.C. is a different beast than Tennessee, right? Tennessee is kind of part of the Bible Belt right? The buckle of the Bible bell. 
right? And so they have clear differences politically, right? Washington, D.C., definitely left. And Tennessee, they're more right politically, right? But here's the thing. When the left and right politically do not understand the corrupt nature of the politics, the law, and the policy that they're involved in, that they are serving, then when the reformers come, both the left and the right will be threatened by their coming. So the left, of course, they're pro-aborts. They want to defend abortion. Uh, they, man, they, they even want to defend infanticide. I mean, they'll, they want babies killed after they're born, right? So it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to do whatever they can to throw the book at you, all right, to condemn you to hell and back if you're going to take away their so-called sacred right to murder their babies, right? But in Tennessee, that's a law and order state. That's a law and order state. And unfortunately, our brethren were found guilty by a jury of their peers in Tennessee. How is that possible? Well, it's law and order. And clearly, they violated the law. And so they must be found guilty. But what's the battle all about? Who's Lord? Christ or Caesar? And whose laws ultimately reign in the affairs of men? Man's law or God's law? Whose law? What order? Right? And because we are so biblically ignorant and so divested of our heritage and our history, we don't understand that for 1,800 years in Western civilization, the teaching that produced the most liberty and freedom amongst the people is when any human law violates God's law, it's no law at all. We used to understand that. We also used to understand jury nullification. You know, our founding fathers, they, you know, they gave us certain checks and balances to make sure our system of government did not become corrupt and tyrannical. One of them was jury nullification, where they not only judge guilt and innocence of a defendant, but they get to judge the law, whether it's applicable or not. You know, the jury used to be the authority in the courtroom, not the judge. And when there, it comes to these cases, brothers and sisters, these rescue cases, you better know. It's a foregone conclusion. They're going to find our brethren guilty. Well, why is that? Because the judge sets the rules. You can't say baby. You can't say murder. You can't quote the scriptures. You can't even give a motive why you did what you did. Were you on the property? Yes or no? Well, every other crime committed. They want to know the motive. What, what, you know, what drove you to do these things? Well, we don't want that to come to the court record. Why? Because perhaps what you're going to find out is the law has been broken. Thou shalt not murder. And so these defendants, 
they are not the guilty party. You, government, you're the guilty party. We can't have law, state, right? So I've got to tell you, both left and right politically, if they do not understand, if they're serving in this government at this time, and they're defending law and order that defends child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, that defends the homosexual and the transgendered movement, they are the lawbreaker. They are the criminals, not the reformers that are coming before them. As a testimony, there's another king, guys. And you're going to be held accountable. I'm warning you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so here we have this situation. And um, I just want to conclude this podcast with this incredible statement so you understand brothers sisters you know what is going on in these days um i think this came from uh a robin hood movie with uh, russell crowe if you remember that but it's an outstanding statement and it's so true so, so please get this, brothers and sisters. In the days of lawlessness, those who keep the law become the outlaw. And that's what's happening here, brothers and sisters. Whether the left, through its spirit of the age and political ideology, throws the book at our brethren, or whether it's the conservatives and the Christians who are defending this corrupt, governmental system right because like i said when, when they go after you when when the when the right goes after you understand they do it with righteous indignation they really believe they're doing god's service by hammering brothers and sisters in christ as they're the lawbreaker there's the they are the criminal no 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 they're doing your job for you you magistrate, you government official, you are the one that God ordained to punish the evildoer and to protect those who are good in God's sight. And what are you doing with that authority that God has given you? You protect the murderer? You defend those that are slaying the innocent and call that law and order? And then you penalize and punish those who saved their lives? You know, Jesus settled this issue a long time ago. Is it lawful to take life or to save life? That's a rhetorical question, and anybody with a sane mind and some kind of moral compass knows the self-evident truth. The law was established to protect life and stop the shedding of innocent blood. So, brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to be keeping up with our brethren. We are going to continue to act as that paraclete to come alongside to help them. I will keep you updated on the progress. 
Um, we're going to be going probably into the appeal process right now. So I, I would ask that you keep these families and their spouses and their children and their future in prayer. And, um, and there will be times I may ask you to contribute um, so they have what they need as families, you know, a support system, and, of course, uh, to help them with their legal fees. So anyway, brothers and sisters, that's it uh, for this podcast episode. And uh, I just pray that uh, you keep pressing on to that high call and prize. Till next time, God bless you, saints. Mm-hmm.